Join our podcast conversations as we share ideas, insights, and information that will educate, inform, and inspire. We will blend our knowledge of online safety and emotional awareness to help you have a better understanding of your kids' online world and their emotional responses and well-being. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Paul. How are you doing? I'm very excited today. Me too. I see someone else is on our podcast. <laughs> it's like Kathy the Haddock. Of the Hello. <laughs> yes, I'm very excited. So everybody, this is our first time having a guest on our podcast. And it's an honorable guest, Kathy Haddock, who has been a principal at many, well, multiple schools, more than one school. But you've been in education for how many years? Education, believe it or not, was, is my second career, but I've been in education since 1993. So if we did the math really quickly, that would be close to 30 years. Wow. Yeah. And you've just retired as a principal three days ago. Three days ago. Yeah. (laughs) And Paul and I've had the pleasure of working with you and the schools that you well, the school that you just retired from and working with the staff and sharing with the students. And I have to say on behalf of Paul and I, we've always loved working with you. Hands well, down. And um, I, can, I can say as well that having you and Paul, um, when I first got, I can't even remember which one of you I got first, but I didn't even realize that you two were connected. And I'm not sure you were, but. No, we, we weren't. We well, <laughs> No, we were not connected when we, we first spoke, in, spoke at your school. Yeah, and right. uh, so I can say that both of you played an integral part in uh, my school's growth in social-emotional learning, internet safety, because you provide a really key component of um, education, both of students and parents. Well, I'm personally... Thank you. Uh, yes, thank you. I've, uh, I want to say thank you for giving me the opportunity uh, your support of the message, uh, the engagement that we had, uh, not only with the kids, with the parents, had meant a lot to me. And there's one thing that I really want to say thank you about, and I know I'll probably speak on behalf of Sarah, is that when you get calls from other principals because Kathy said you need to get them, you know, when I re- when you read that email, it means the world because that means we came in, we did something of value, and it was appreciated and shared. So a sincere thanks for that, and thanks for being here today. Yeah. And I'm honestly going to miss you because we're not going to be able to come to a school and say hey Kathy and I remember last time I saw you yes you brought me donuts I brought you donuts <laughs> <laughs> I was in the neighborhood I'm like you know what I'm going to see Kathy and bring her some donuts so I don't know where oh, to bring great, you donuts Paul. now but now you're one-upping me <laughs> sorry did we not speak about that before? <laughs> okay Sarah you've given me lots of tidbits too they just weren't edible but lots of good tips well let's see the non-edible treats. <laughs> you know what I said? Tidbits <laughs> instead of Timbits. Oh, see? They're not Timbeebs. That's good. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. So no. Uh, yeah. So our, our topic today is Timbeebs. No, just kidding. Our topic today is there's more to school than academics. Oh my goodness. I love this. You know why I love this? Coming even as a parent. But also thinking back to when I was in school and how... We'd love to think that when you are a child, well, anybody, but there's that saying, leave your emotions, leave your problems at the front door and come in. 
be ready to learn. How do you do that when your challenges, your emotions do not stay at the front door, right? They don't stay in the backpack that you've hung up in your locker. They come right into the classroom with you. And when I've talked to young people, and then I'm going back to myself included, it is hard to focus on math, science, and any subject when you have emotional challenging times going on in your life. It's like, boom, it's right there. And this is why I believe that we connected with you on such a strong level, because you believe in the whole person. You believe in that sense of well-being in school, online matters, because when that is taken care of, academics, we're open to learning. That's, that's exactly true, Sarah. You, you, like, I don't even know how I could say it any better than that, but you, you did say that when you bring that backpack, try to leave that backpack at the door, you, you know, you basically can't do it. And that it's difficult to learn. I would even uh, say something stronger that it's impossible to learn Mm. because if you are not feeling safe at school, um, you can't learn. And people, when they think of safety often think physical safety and that's important but you have to feel physically safe you have to feel emotionally safe you have to feel mentally safe in order for you to be comfortable enough and safe enough to learn so I would totally agree with what you're saying and that is how both of you came into my sphere um, as a principal at the schools that I was at Well, when it goes back to that saying, Paul, and I know that we've talked about this a lot through our podcasts, uh, without maybe even directly talking about it, but it takes a village to raise a child. And I know you and I have mentioned that. And when we're in a school, and even now virtually in a school, we're part of that village. Right. We're part of that, that, that voice that you're planting seeds. So just like Kathy, when you were in education, again, that's only three days ago that you retired, (laughs) Uh, you're part of the village, you bring in a speaker, they're part of the village. And then there's that other component that's really part of the village in a strong way, which is parents and guardians. That's, that's for sure. And I think that when I would bring in a speaker like you and Paul, in order for you to be part of the village, um, I needed to be very intentional as to why I was bringing you in. Mm-hmm. So um, it wasn't just like, oh, I heard Paul Davis was great. Come on, come on over to, McC- um, to my school, right? Mm-hmm. What it was, was this is a time in the building of my school culture that I really need parents to be on board with certain topics. And with Paul, it was the internet safety and just the, the risks that that we needed to, to know about. Um, and, and Paul says this too, there's the internet is great. Like it's a great educational tool, but when used improperly or not supervised, then it can cause um, like a lot of danger. So I think that, you know, as I said, so Paul kind of fulfilled that role and Sarah for you, um, you know, I really needed someone to support myself and the staff and the students with that, with that, um, whole feeling piece that social emotional learning where feelings are okay and when we have big feelings they 
they are they are who we are and we can't just leave them at the door in the backpack we do need to bring them in with us because that's part of us feelings don't define us but feelings are within us and so what you helped us do sarah was to learn those strategies of what we do with those big feelings so the mm-hmm. feelings are okay but kids need to be taught adults need to be taught you can't just say you're dysregulated, regulate yourself. You need- <laughs> Don't you wish you could do that? Just like <laughs> self-regulate and they just instantly knew what to do. No, right. It has to be taught. Yeah. They don't know. They know maybe what self-regulation looks like because we've told them, but how do I get there? You know, practice, you know, mm-hmm. some, some kids and um, you know, like I, school was made for me when I grew up and you know, I'm not proud of that, but I kind of fit into the mold of, you know, sit there, do your work, listen. Um, But school has to meet every child where they are on that continuum. And I'm not talking academic continuum. I'm talking that social emotional continuum. We all maybe know what the ideal end goal is, but how do I get from where I'm at to that end goal without feeling stressed and like, I'm never going to get there. So that's where I think you've really... Um, filled our void, Sarah, and Paul, you as well with um, your internet safety. And I'm, listen, I'm very appreciative to hear that. Um, and the one thing I found that was really important because your school was primary with grade six and under is that they were at that stage where we want to look at them all on an even keel, meaning give everyone a fair opportunity to use this technology in the safest way possible, but they need education because as they get older, the challenges become greater. But if they have that fair opportunity to learn about the rules of using technology, respecting age barriers, and most importantly, having guidance from parents, because we're going to talk about the importance of parental involvement, that is the foundation. So yes, it starts at the school with, you know, Sarah and I, you, the village, but it has to continue on at home. So we can provide the knowledge, we can empower, we can educate. But one thing I've I've always stated, you've come to the expert in a field to learn. At the end of the day, you have an option. Listen, apply, be safe, or say, you know what? I think that was exaggerating. I think that's fear factoring, and I'm not going to listen. We all make choices. But our net goal is to make sure that everyone walks out of there with the same message, and then hopefully after the village has kind of left the scenario, that those parents at home, will pick up the game because these kids deserve a fair shot. And to express their emotions, to communicate that they're fearful of something online and how do we um, address it, they need to be able to speak out. And that is a key component. And where does that really start? Well, if they're not getting that encouragement at home, it needs to start off in the school. They need voices and they need people to hear those voices. And I know, Kathy, you are one of those individuals who listen to kids. You were engaged with your kids. It was so evident by walking into your school. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Mm -hmm. Sarah, the engagement she has, and I've seen her engaging kids, let them speak out. And the little part that I contributed to all three of us working at your school is getting them to speak out on very sensitive and scary topics to make them feel at ease, to make them feel better. Mm -hmm. And then we have amazing educators like you who said, come and talk to me. I'm here. I will not judge. I will not shame. I will help you. But now we need the parents to pick that up. Mm-hmm. That's really key, knowing that they have a voice. Yes. And that, um, you know, when they, when they express that voice, that we won't be judgmental, but we always want to express our voice respectfully. 
right? Mm -hmm. We teach kids how to disagree with one another. We teach kids how to solve a problem respectfully. And, and that's, I mean, it sounds so easy, but some kids don't know how to do that. And when you teach them, some adults, adults don't, don't know I just interject. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, especially we're seeing so much of that just bubbling of emotion with mm -hmm. adults, mm -hmm. especially now during the pandemic, when I think stress levels and anxiety levels are very high. Um, if we don't have that toolbox within ourselves of strategies that we know work, then, you know, sometimes we just default to the ones that we don't know work with, or which we, you know, I know they don't work, but the default ones are just that anger and that rage. And we know that that, that gets us nowhere. And we mm -hmm. just have, but then we just have two people upset, right? The original person <laughs> and me. And one thing I'd always said with my staff, you know, the big thing was like, you know, when kids go up, we go down, right? Um, mm. And that's what we have to learn to do as parents as well. And it's hard. I mean, I'm a parent and I know that kids can just push those wrong buttons or actually the right buttons and yeah. uh, in and, the wrong way, in the wrong way. <laughs> and I have to learn, you know, when they push my buttons, what can I do that is respectful? That's not going to escalate the situation. And mm -hmm. if I don't have that toolbox within me, then I'm, like I said, I'm going to default to, to, to strategies that I know don't work. And both of you helped my students and my parents build that toolbox. Oh, what? Like with these kind of strategies? Yeah. <laughs> people, <laughs> people who are listening to the podcast can't see it, but I've just held up a whole bunch of printouts that these are what I use when I'm at home, but also working with schools is the choice making strategy about emotional awareness, emotional management. And that is a very learned skill that also has to be modeled. And it's a skill that we need not just in person, but now let's go to online. Look at how many people are going from emotions to fingertips, like you say, Paul. Yeah, and listen, this never is go big... from your emotions to your fingertips. Because, no, but, you... but adults are doing it now. Mm -hmm. And so when you said earlier, even adults, yes. And kids are watching these adults. And I think the one thing, mm. and I should never allow my emotions, but it does frustrate me, is here Sarah and I are working so hard to empower these kids to speak out and be respectful. And yet they go online and they see an adult do the complete opposite and say, wait a minute. I was just told this is the way to do it, but you guys are calling each other names and you're, and they're, and they're, they're going like hardcore name calling expletives. We're setting the wrong example. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it starts at the top. That's us. That's parenting. So yes, I agree. And, and this is what's, what's uh, a big part of it. Kathy is when you are working with, a team of educators and you have some that are really on board that going back to our theme today, which is there's more to school than academics, but then there's always going to be some that are like, I, I just want to teach the curriculum and the academics. I don't want to do this other stuff, or maybe I don't know how to do this other stuff when you're talking about self-regulation and mindfulness and uh, mental health, emotional well-being. I just want to teach the, the academics. Do you think that school has evolved in a way in which it's not just about the academics anymore? It has to be the whole person. And now, like, what are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. It has to be the whole child. Just like you started at the beginning that said, you know, we don't 
we don't have a backpack that we can just leave at the door like that. And when we were asked to do that, you know, me growing up or whatever, it, it, it doesn't work because it, you can't just separate your feelings from yourself. Your feelings are within you. So, you know, when, when I hear um, teachers saying, we don't, we don't have that as much anymore, but when teachers were saying, you know, I'm here, I was trained to be a teacher. I was trained to teach academics and that's my job. I think that my approach with that is I would always say, you know what, we teach children, we don't teach a curriculum. So we mm. teach children first and we use the curriculum to teach the things that we want to teach the child. If you just teach a curriculum, then you might as well have dogs and wolves and robots sitting in front of you because it wouldn't matter. But That's a great image. <laughs> I just picture, I just picture, no, we I'm picturing desks with them. Yeah. And we need to teach the whole child. And not only do we need to teach the whole child, but we need to teach every child individually. And I know some people go, oh, how do you possibly do that? You need to differentiate the way that you teach because what Sarah has, you know, all in her that that makes up her is very different than what Paul has. And that's why as a teacher, um, it's quite a skill and quite, mm. um, you know, an art and science to be able to uh, just, you know, be able to meet both of you where you're at and have a class of 25 to 30 kids and meet them all where they're at and help everyone to move forward. Uh, with, with any teachers that I've had in the past that maybe have said, you know what, I'm just about teaching the curriculum. I think what I need, what I've done that's been very successful is you basically start to create that positive culture in your school, just like I've talked about, like we've talked about before, where respect is number one, where safety is number one, where, you know, feelings are okay. We learn strategies to deal with those feelings. We teach the zones of regulation. We do mindfulness and you create this really kind of calm, accepting climate in your school you'd be surprised at the teachers that maybe were balking at you earlier about, you know, I don't have time for that. It's only academics. They do start to come around and see that when kids are in a safe, predictable, secure environment, they just have this calmness that comes about them that they can learn and that we can get to the academics even quicker than they thought we could by kind of trying to jam it down their throats and ignoring the fact that maybe they haven't had breakfast or maybe they had a fight with their parent before they left for school or their brother, you know, took their backpack and threw it in the snowbank. And like kids arrive to school in all different states and mm. really good educator will, you know, keep that in mind and know that kids need different things at different parts of the day. Some kids need to take a walk. Some kids mm -hmm. need a body break. One of just one quick story that um, that uh, one teacher that I worked with um, every morning he used to start off. And Sarah, I think this was after one of your talks. I'm sure it was. So okay. every, every morning he would start out, and and rightly so. Like it 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 was a great thing. And they do their goal noodle and they do their physical you know exercise for the first 20 minutes, and we'd have announcements. Sure. And off they'd go. Um, and I remember you saying, Sarah, in one of our talks to teachers, so uh, for who's ever listening to this podcast, both Paul and Sarah have done work with educators, uh, sort of with educator strategies, with parents for parent strategies, and, and directly with students as well. And you had said at one point, you know, 
some kids have such a chaotic start to their day, right? Like you say, they, they, you know, they weren't woken up on time. They're being dragged out of bed. They're being forced to drink their orange juice or do whatever, you know, they're supposed to eat. Come on, let's go. We're going to be late. Mommy's got to go to work. Um, get your stuff, you know, get dressed, hurry up that they get to school and then for the first 20 minutes, you have them jumping all over the place. You were saying like, that might not be what kids need. They might need to start their day with mindfulness and calmness. And this one particular teacher came to me later. I noticed then he started doing mindfulness in like, and mindful coloring and just, you know, breathing activities. And, and it just really spoke to him that you have to see what your kids need. They don't always need to be jumping around. Sometimes they need to be centered back before they're going to be ready to learn. So that's just one example of you have to look at the whole child. You have to see what that child needs in order to be successful. And it's not the same for everyone. No. And that's also about as, as a person, as an educator, as a parent, being in touch with your own self so that when you arrive and you've had a chaotic day, right? Like if you were, then you, do I need some quiet time? Do I need, what do I need to do just to get myself prepared for my class or myself prepared for like when my son comes home from school? And, and I mean, and that, that can always look a little bit different, but being conscious of it, I think, you said before, we got to teach kids this. So we have to do it ourselves so that we can model it, which is the great way to teach kids, hard way to teach kids, right? Because we have to model it, which is, which is sometimes we're yelling, calm down, self-regulate. And then we look at ourselves and we're like, oh my gosh, I totally wasn't calm right there. Yeah. And, and, and the one piece that I wanted to ask you about was you were a principal during non-pandemic times mm -hmm. and then you've just retired three days ago so during pandemic times what did you notice you know because you were talking about the routine and consistency and then now pandemics like out the, the door with routine we got in person online we got this that and the other what did you notice emotionally and what were some of the things that people could walk away with saying okay this is what we could apply to these times I think that during the pandemic, one of the things that I always tried to focus on, you know, with my staff and my students was just that the pandemic actually taught us some really good things. And one of the things that the pandemic taught us was the importance of connection and the importance of being together and being with our peers um, and socializing. And so during the pandemic times, as you know, um, you both have kids, like uh, kids were in school for like two or three months and they were online and then they were back in school. And what I found as a principal is every time the kids came back to school, they were so grateful. They were so glad to be there and you could really say anything to them, you know, and, and, and basically just say, you know what, you really need to put that mask up over your nose and we really need to do this because you know what, we really want to stay in school. And they go, yeah, we really want to stay in school. So what I noticed was that um, kids and I think parents really started to understand the fact that this whole podcast is, is, is entitled, you know, um, school is more than academics. I think mm -hmm. everyone started to realize that school really is more than academics because if school were only academics, then we could have done it online quite nicely. But um, kids missed 
their peers. They missed the socialization. They missed the connection, the personal connection on a daily basis with adults and with kids. Um, they, they didn't have opportunities. And I'm going to say to have those little, you know, tips with people and be able to solve them. So they didn't have the same conflicts. They, they had probably a lot of sibling conflicts. Uh, but you know, it's different when you have conflicts with your siblings than when you have conflicts with your classmates. And they missed all those opportunities to, as you say, when we, um, when we fail at something or when we're not successful at something, that's when we learn. And I think the pandemic showed us that all those opportunities were just taken away from from kids and teachers were the same way. They were saying like, oh, we don't want to be back online. So um, I think I forget your question, Sarah. I got rambling. No, I think, no, I think you answered it and you went back to the, that, that the, basically what you learned from the pandemic was that kids were appreciative yeah. of being in school, that there's more to school than academics. I like what you said, because if it was just academics, you could easily do it online, but there's so much more to that community, that village, that social connection, that, that routine. Yeah. And Paul, I don't know about you, but my husband and I were just saying this this morning. Kai, who's in grade four, I, I did this <laughs> in grade four. Um, uh, he his demeanor is different from being back into school, back into hockey, like that things are back. It he's he's just more um, calm, better uh, listener. Uh, happier and not that he couldn't adapt and be at at home but it's not the same at all what have you noticed Paul what, like have you noticed that with your kid like when they well, were back to school then compared to online with my high schooler I remember when she was told to stay home which was two days before the winter break because of an outbreak and they did really good up until then and she got the notification. She did the eye roll. And I said, it's only two days. She said, I know, but they just, she wanted to be in class. It doesn't matter that they have a mask. They socialize like this. At this group, they want to learn. They, part of her, the biggest highlight of her day, and by the way, she, the one thing, and Kathy will appreciate this, she loves her teachers because she just started this new semester. I said, tell me about your teachers. And the one thing she said, they're all chill. And I thought, all right, that's pretty cool. These teachers were just um, casual. They were like, oh, where did Paul go? I don't, I don't know. But we you know what? We'll just keep rolling. Oh, yeah. this is... <laughs> you yeah. know what? We 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 said, well, oh, I'm here. Here. I'm here. <laughs> are you a magician? Yes, I like... disappeared back. And so she was really happy with the teachers because they have a different approach in learning. So she's happy with the teachers. But it's at lunchtime social that she loves because every day she's hanging out with different friends. And she's at the age right now where some of them get into a car and they'll go for a quick run to the corner store and grab a Timmy's and come back. So as Kathy said, it's not just about the learning. It's that whole environment. And then when you get stuck at home, which is what happened recently, just a different personality. She's still a great kid, except yeah. it just takes a bit more to get that smile out because you know she doesn't want to be at home learning. She wants to be in school learning. She loves her teachers. She loves her friends. So yeah, you know what? Even So you've got a, a elementary school son. I've got a high school daughter. Same thing. And 
I, and I tell her, I feel, honey, I say, I feel the same way. I miss being in front of you, being in front of people your age, engaging them. And something that Kathy said earlier about, you know, when kids, when teachers um, speak to their kids and engage them, Sarah, you and I, when we came, when we drive up to a school, our presentations are always tailored to the school and the community. And when we walk in and principals like Kathy sit us down and say, okay, here's our population. Um, here's what we're dealing with. We get to adapt now when it's virtual. It's, you're, you're not seeing that audience. You're not driving into a community. You're not understanding that there might be a, a breakfast program at the school, meaning some kids are coming to school with these really expensive phones, but they can't put food in their stomach. We don't get all that. So even from our perspective, there's a component, which is when you understand that community, you deliver a different presentation, more tailored to them, because nothing in my present, and I know Sarah's as well, although we have a delivery to make, it's always customized, it's always modified, it's always tailored mm -hmm. when you understand the community. So how my daughter misses being in there, I miss it as well, because there's that sense of a reward when you understand the community, you deliver, and then you get feedback afterwards. So I think your kid, my kid, us, we're all in the same boat. And we feel the energy too. And I love yeah. when you said this once, and I say this when I do my virtuals, which, um, you know, I still, I'm learning a different way to connect. But I love that you said this, and I'm paraphrasing, but that doing virtual does not replace physically being together, but it bridges a gap. So we can have fun with it. We can be creative with it. It doesn't replace, but it bridges a gap. I, I just that. thought the bridge would be a little shorter. We just seem to be walking. <laughs> it's really, it, it's become a really long suspended bridge, but I know that there's an end and we're going to get there. And I can't wait yes. to get there. I'm passionate about being in front of audiences again, because there's a different connection. Um, and it's the one thing I miss. And so right now I, I tell all the teachers in my virtual, I'm really jealous that you're in the class getting to see your kids because you are my eyes, but I can't engage them the way you can. And I'm pretty sure it brings a smile to their face because I know, I know they want to be there. You know, we've got all these teachers that are craving to be in the classroom and they tell me offline, personal friends of mine that are, are teachers like, yes. And you know what? I'll, I'll be honest. I'm jealous because we want to be there as well. It's that whole, when Kathy said it's the whole child, you only get to appreciate that when you are there and you're talking to those kids. That's true. And Paul, just to, just in kind of summary, you really just, you confirmed exactly what we had been saying earlier about when you and Sarah, you know, now that you're virtual and you don't get to drive into that school community and kind of, you know, see if there's a breakfast program or whatever, um, because when you do that, you can kind of revise your, you kind of know your audience and you can kind of revise. So you too are doing the same thing as I said, like I say, we need to teach children, not the curriculum. Mm -hmm. So you've got your curriculum that you, you present, but you're also saying I need to teach the community, not just, yes. just not my script that I've got in front of me. I have to, I have to revise this script to fit the community that I'm going into. And I hear what you're saying is that you don't have that ability right now to go into a community and get a sense of who your audience is and get a sense of who your children are. Um, so you do the same thing. You teach your community, you don't teach your curriculum. So 
we're all we're all on the same page. Yeah, and you were a, you were a key role to that. When, for example, when I come to your school and we'd sit down in your office, we'd have a conversation, or you'd give me a heads up, Paul. By the way, this is a situation we're dealing with. So, if it's a sensitive situation, I'd be aware of that. So, but right now I can't do it yeah. because, yeah, I'll have I'll get on I'll get on a, a live with a principal beforehand. We'll have a quick conversation. It's not the same. And again, the driving in and the neighborhood and the school. You don't get all that, right? So, yeah, I, I, Sarah, I believe it's the same for you. Yeah. Well, and then it goes back to uh, that whole idea that we started with, which is when you go into a school, we're looking beyond the academics. We're looking at the whole school community. We're looking at the whole person. Right. And I, I feel like this is a way to kind of bring in the the whole podcast is saying no matter – what well-being and safety and respect matter because then the academics make sense so whether right it, it really it really brings it home um, knowing that being part of that village whether you're an educator a parent a speaker is saying, what does this child need? What does this community need? And mm -hmm. I'm going to speak and I'm going to come from that place. Exactly. Mm -hmm. so and then, all, and then. I was going to say, we're all educators. Yeah. And I yeah, because you're all saying that, Pete, you're, say, all, you're all adding. Yeah. And I say to parents, you're your child's first educator. So, yeah. I love that. Yep. And in closing, Kathy, you know, as we round up this podcast and loving hearing your perspective, what would be the last piece of advice for a parent or an educator at this moment listening to this podcast that has a child or has a student during this pandemic, knowing that there's a lot of changes and shifts happening and sometimes the academics aren't maybe as strong, you know, maybe the, the, the child is a little bit behind, is a lot behind, knowing that they can catch up. I loved it. We said this offline. I just feel like parents need to hear this. We need to remember I mean, you're going to say it better, but I'm just prompting that. I want you to say what you said <laughs> offline about kids can catch up. And I think we worry as parents, we're like, oh no, we're, they're never going to catch up. They're so far behind. What would you speak to that part? So whether it's a teacher or an educator or, or a parent thinking that, what would you say? I would say, um, just like you said, I would say, you know, academics are important. Don't get me wrong. I'm an educator, oh, sure. but kids will catch up, especially when they feel accepted, when they feel that they belong, and when they feel secure. And so I would also say to parents that, you know, what's, what's actually most important right now is that your kids develop those socialization skills that they've, they've missed out on so much for the last years. And when you think about any job, including the ones that I do, what Sarah does, what Paul does, or any other job, the most important skills are those skills in, in, in socialization, the ability to solve a problem, the ability to make a decision, the ability to communicate with people, the ability to 
uh, disagree respectfully, um, you know, the ability to get along with people and to listen and to, you know, see other people's viewpoint. Those are the soft skills that are, will make anyone successful in life. And that's what we're talking about here. And those are the skills that we want our kids to get back because they've missed a lot of opportunities to grow those skills in, in these mm-hmm. past two years. And I think that the academic skills can be learned anytime and when they're needed. So that would be my kind of last words of wisdom. Yes, I'm an educator. And yes, I'm saying to you that social emotional learning um, is, is equally as important and actually has to come first. Mm. Yes, because then when you are available in your mind to, to feel, when you feel safe, when you feel like you know what to do, you have a strategy on what to do with that feeling of anxious or nervous or frustrated or overwhelmed, then you have that space in your brain, you have that openness to actually learn the academic part. Yeah. And to quote Stuart Shanker, when we talk about the zones of regulation, when you're in the green zone, which is where we want to be, you are calm, focused, and ready to learn. Mm. Yes. I feel like I'm in the green zone right now. I'm very <laughs> calm. Yes. And, and the, the last thing I would say to parents as well is that when your kids are not in that green zone, the best thing you can do for them is stay in the green zone yourself. Yes. And you know what? I want to I wanna just add this as, as part before we end. Uh, a child psychologist that I, I listen to, that I follow, said, when your child has a big emotion, and even though you notice it triggers emotion in you, be really aware of that, right? Be aware of that you're, you're getting triggered now, maybe with frustration or upset. Or... Calm yourself first. Go to them because they need to know that their big feeling is not too much for you. Their big feeling could actually be too much for them. They're, they're scared. They don't know what to do with the big emotion. Picture that we've lived longer than they have. So calm yourself. It's just like you said, so that they know that you are there for them in that big feeling that they have, that it doesn't scare you, that it's not too much for you. And I take that information and I apply it to myself during this pandemic. And I have really noticed a difference in the connection between my son and I, just from doing exactly what you said, which is calm myself before going towards him. And, and when he's triggered, like when, like I said, when I've tr- had an emotion trigger, I calm myself before going to him. Cause I want him to know that as I'm calm, his emotions, not too big for me. Yeah. It's already too big for him. <laughs> So it's not too big for me. And I have found that piece has created connection and his ability to self-regulate faster because I'm modeling what calm looks like. But man, sometimes, Kathy, it's hard. <laughs> it is hard. But you know what, Sarah? Having an escalated <laughs> parent and an escalated child is not fun either. <laughs> so we have to be... <laughs> We have to put our big shoes on and uh, and do our best. And yes, we blow it. There's times we blow it. And, you know, when we blow it, we say to ourselves, next time, here's what I'm going to do. And you forgive yourself and you move on. Yes. Absolutely. Forgiveness is key. Yep. Mm-hmm. This was awesome. 
Thank Kathy. you so much, Kathy. Oh, sure. Thank you. And you know what? Even though I'm retired, you know, my brain is not retired. So <laughs> me and mine. <laughs> I like that for sure. We have a part two. We're yeah. Part two. There's so much more we can talk about. All right. Let's consider part two. Yeah. But thank you. And until next time, uh, thank you all for listening. And we will see you on our next version of our podcast. Goodbye. Yes. Take care of yourself. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you.